For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. .NET Rocks episode 838, with guests John Stahl, Matt Barcombe, Matt Van Vliet, and Nyan Hajiratwala. Recorded live Wednesday, January 9th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now here are Carl and Richard. Hey, Codemash! It's .NET Rocks! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Code Mash 13, Sandusky, Ohio. We are in a big room. It's huge. It's an enormous room, and it has an echo. I don't know if that's going to come across in the recording, but you can Maybe. hear them. I think if we hold our microphones a little bit closer than normal, yeah, that might alleviate that Everything will be problem. fine. Okay. Well, anyway, it's Hi, good buddy. to see you guys. Good to see you, Richard. Yeah, it's, I'm glad to be here. It is cold outside, though. Why are we in Ohio in January? Because this is the best freaking conference ever. That's why. <laughs> So, are you guys having a good time at Code Mash? Yeah. Has the bacon bar been out yet? Not yet, no. Oh. But you know what? They, this year they did two days of precompilers, so they're half day sessions. Brains are fried. Yeah. Like, holy cow. And Leon Gersing did an all day talk on, uh, on being a speaker. Oh, great. Insane. Booyah! The Ruby! Ruby Buddha! Love it. Yeah, so you know what's interesting is that they made the first announcement that the panel discussion was starting in 15 minutes, and nobody came in, (laughs) because brains are fried. Then they heard it was us, everybody comes in, Ah. because they know they can sit back, have a drink, and all that. And have another drink. And have another drink. Well, that brings us to our panel, because we're not here just to talk about us. Uh, I'd like to introduce our esteemed panel for the topic, Agile is Dead. Or is it, is Agile Dead? Is Agile Dead? Is Agile Dead? It's not quite dead. It's not quite. Give it up for Matt Barcombe. There's Matt. Next to him, Matt Van Fleet. There's Matt. Two Matts. This is going to be fun. Two Matts. With the wild hair, John Stahl. It's a nice rug strapped to your head there, John. Thanks for that. Ah, very aerodynamic. Nyan Harjatwala on the end there. There you go. Where do you start? Is Agile dead? Yes or no? 
Everybody gets to answer one word, and then we're done. Okay, start at, start at the far end. Unlikely. 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 Yes. I think you're being generous. Moving on. But John, John. one word. Perception. 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 Thoughtful. Ah, that's one of those uh, sort of... Uh, yes or no. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those Zen answers. Yeah, okay. Matt. So, um, in some ways, yes. Because, like, the 20 to 30 people that actually get it, they think it's the normal way of doing things, and the uh, 70 to 80% that don't get it think they're doing it anyways. You tell Matt's the consultant, okay. right? One word. Yeah, one yeah. word, yeah. <laughs> Insultant, right. actually. Insulting? Okay. That you'd even say that? Is that what you're saying? Okay. All right. Matt, Matt Van Fleet. It was never alive. <laughs> oh! This is going to be a good one. Now, I got to say, this, one of the stimulus for this idea is I look through the Code Mash session list, which is an awesome session list, and I don't think I saw the word agile anywhere on the whole list. And it has dominated the topic list at Code Mash for years. So what's happened? What's changed? That, that We're not seeing it anymore. Um, I'm going to have to take... Uh uh, some uh, objection to your abilities you, to read. You take issue with my statement, sir? Yes, I, I take issue with well, your reading Well, don't hesitate. Skills. Take a slug of beer and I'm tell me I'm full of it. I'm his issue. <laughs> so uh, I just looked at the session list before this uh, a panel, and I saw three sessions yesterday that were agile stuff, okay. test-driven development, etc. And there were four today, and I know there's a few coming up this week as well. So... Uh, I, I think it's not as many as there were in the past, but I think there are definitely some. So, and, and why do you think the number's gone down? I think, so my mindset is agile is a marketing word. So there's a bunch of practices and principles that all fit together to make, for writing great software. And agile is like a marketing term. They thought about calling it lightweight, and then they ended up choosing agile because who wouldn't want to be agile? But people that are here have heard you know, Agile, 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 Agile. So how many people here have done Agile? They can't hear your hands on video. How many people here have done Agile? A good 65% maybe. How many many people aren't going to do it again? Okay, (laughs) so it's not dead. It's a few. But why talk about it if this is the group that's already doing it? So what you're saying is because it's not new and the the speaker market for Agile is saturated, people are doing different things. You can't learn Agile by talking about it. So you can go spend a day doing TDD. You know, we had a person do it, you know, uh, Guy Royce talked about putting the D&D in TDD. So he did an entire day about test-driven development. So you can learn that by doing it. But me showing you a bunch of pictures of a card wall has nothing to do right. about Agile. Yeah, Got so, it. so if, if I can add something. Uh, so if you study sociology and you look at Roger's adoption curve, and we're all humans, right? And you look at how humans adopt practices. Um, there's er, there's you know, innovators, there's early adopters, there's laggards, there's late majority. Most of the people that come to CodeMash aren't laggards or late majority. No, or sure. they wouldn't be giving up their personal time away from their families to be here. So, and given the you know, draw that CodeMash has, I mean, it sells out in how many minutes? Right? Seconds. Yeah, seconds, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So, so, most of the people here are submitting talks about continual improvement and getting better and supporting the Agile manifesto. Sure. But putting the buzzword Agile in it doesn't really get you anywhere anymore yeah. if you're going to try to speak somewhere. Um, and there are a couple, uh, my talk has Agile in it, so there are a few people so now it's just Agile, but most people here come here to support 
collaboration, communication, you know, and, and all the different values of the principles. So, so now I, do we just call it development? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, uh, two years ago, Rally and Version One they did some surveys, and two years ago it was almost over the curve for, you know, the laggards are here. Yeah. Right, and so, yeah, it's it's, it's just the way we do things. I, I don't think it's anybody disagree with John, Matt. I, I totally I, agree with John, and um, you know, I see it every day because the the clients that I tend to go into. Um, don't have the early adopters, and you know I see it all the time. People who have no idea what test-driven development is, no idea what continuous integration is, even continuous improvement—they they don't really know any of these things. Um, and there's a lot of them out there. It's—I it's, think that when we're in a smaller community of people who are like-minded and interested in continuous improvement, um, you're just not going to see that kind of—you're uh, not going to be exposed to the, the people who are not getting it. And I think that there's a large majority that still ha- has no idea about Agile, even what it is or, or what the principles are, certainly. The, the late, late followers and laggards, if you believe the sociology stuff, it's about 40%, right? We don't surround ourselves with those 40%. Sure. Yeah. So we tell people that people here are passionate about changing their company. So the message is change your company or change your company, right? Yeah, right, sure. And, and get it done. And that's the people that tend to go to these conferences So speak how, at these conferences. How many people are here that are not getting paid to be here? Clap, please. Yeah. So it's only wow. about 25%. So the rest of you are actually on the clock, like your, your employer's paying you right now to be here. Wow. <laughs> That's great. I need to work where you work. <laughs> Clearly. Okay. Interesting. Jack, continue your question. I, 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 we talked about this question line. You do it. Which question? Well, it, which question? Of those folks, you know, of the, of the folks that are out there, how many consider yourselves doing Agile? Yeah. That's still only 25%. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of people not writing software the way we write software. Okay. So, in that, that, and there's a lot of people in environments that don't embrace continuous learning. That they're not in an environment that says, every day we should do it differently than we did it yesterday. Mm. And let's just make sure that differently is better. Right? They don't live in a world like that. So there's, that's a never-ending problem. So what you decide to call that, I don't know. But, you know, we're constantly, in, in our, the organizations I'm working with, finding ways to say that we want, at Pillar what we say is that we want to constantly look for the impossible and figure out ways to make it merely hard. <laughs> and that is not most people's, you know, mantra. That's not most people's mindset to say, okay, well, you know, we do three releases a year. Okay, how about we do weekly production releases? You know, that sounds impossible. Maybe this project that seemed easy, we can make it impossible and find ways to do it and learn. So how do we, you know, but as a community or as a world, we don't have that mindset. So that's, to me, a mission that, you know, won't end. But humanity and, is pretty much programmed to take the path of least resistance. It's worked for, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand years. And programmers are a prime example of that, aren't they? I think that's a great example of why I think Agile isn't dead. I mean, outside the world of conferences and session titles, uh, people are finding that it's they're going to have to figure out better ways to compete. Um, more and more clients that I go to, 
Um, they're not software companies. They're not product companies. And they're realizing that the uh, the operational efficiencies that they can get from their, their main operations, mm-hmm. they're not squeaking any more out of that. Their, yeah. their competition isn't there, but they're losing money hand over fist to you know, either opportunities lost or uh, market share stolen because of software problems. You know, software is going to be part of what defines core competency and competitive advantage in the next decade or so. Good software Good make, will be the competitive advantage. I, I do think the term will die. It almost feels like the term's dying. Yeah, maybe uh, that's what it really is all about. Well, there is a cliff. You know, so you know, Agile is on almost every um, consulting company's website. Right. Which means now how do you decide what you know, what, what people are doing it because it's the new thing and what people are doing it because they really believe in the principles. Right. So no, I think it's on the checklist now. You have to have Agile here somewhere. So, so more, more engagements are helping companies fix their Agile, not help them start their Agile. Yeah, I, I can't find a company these days that goes, oh, no, we don't do Agile. Agile bad. So how do you solve the problem, consultants, of uh, a piecemeal approach to, to Agile? which can often cause more problems than it, than it uh, solves. So, so um, it's pretty, pretty important that we, we're pretty passionate about, we, you know, we like to succeed, we don't like to fail. So we like to qualify who we work with and say, all right, do you, do you really want to change your culture? Do you realize you're engaging us to change your corporate culture and your company yeah. culture? And so, um, you know, we've all taken steps to make sure that, that the people we practice with really know what they're getting in for. Um, we often tell people that if you're going to try to do Agile, um, you could do, we could do more harm than good yeah. because once we start teaching people a better way of working and they start more ha- having fun and, 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 and living it, um, if there isn't leadership from the top down and you're going to roll backwards down that hill and your people are going to leave because right. they can because they're more Once they know there's a better way yeah. and they've had that experience, yeah. they won't go back. Yeah, once you figure out how to stop poking yourself in the eye, yeah. Yeah. you do it, right? <laughs> so so it, it's natural. So we often go in and say, hey, we don't want to harm you. We're all just you know people, and we got brands, and we do what we do. Yeah. We, we we don't want to see you have a ton of attrition because you didn't realize you're going to change your company culture. So we test our customers and say, all right, from the top down, are you willing to practice agile, or do you just think it's another methodology for your teams to get better? I, I've that, described it as: Do you think this is stuff that comes in a squirt bottle that if you spray it on your developers, they'll write more software faster? Right. Yeah. Is there an agile in a can? I would yeah. like to take yeah. a moment to promote agile in a can. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I think there, the piecemeal comment made me kind of cringe, and I'm not sure whether I like it or don't like it, but one of the things we talk about is you don't want roll out Agile in a waterfall way. Nice. So you don't decide what's Agile for our organization. Right. Let's design that, and th- therefore, from now forward, we will be Agile. Yeah. You yeah, learn I, Agile. I, I get that document from that yeah. big consultant, yes. and we will follow this to the letter for the end of time. So, so next Thursday, we're going to be Agile. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it, you iteratively and incrementally learn as an organization how to do it. So in a sense, you do it piecemeal, right? You don't say, let's do everything. You figure out what's our biggest problem. Are there some things out there that might, we might be able to try? We don't even know if they'll solve our problem, and we'll do it, and then we'll, we'll move on. So... You know, it's interesting, like an Agile process talk, we were talking earlier, there's really only three steps. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to tell you the three steps, you have to learn them. <laughs> but um, there's really only you three steps, so the, that presentation is like a minute. And the yeah. rest of it is figuring out how to do those. Yeah. 
So, so the bigger part of the whole system, right? You can't just tug on one thread. Um, so you come in and you, you try to do some process stuff, but you don't do the dev stuff. You're going to be hosed. Oh, thank you. You are amazing. Sorry. Jim Holmes with the Maker's Mark. Thank you. <laughs> Woo! Excuse me. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik, makers of Kendo UI. Are you a web or mobile developer who wants to build amazing sites and apps? Looking for the best tool out there that can really improve your development work? We've got the answer for you. Kendo UI is everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. In the complete integrated package, you'll find a jQuery-based tool set that includes rich UI widgets, a powerful data source, dynamic data visualizations, and blazing fast micro-templates, all backed by industry-leading professional support. Visit the official Kendo UI website at kendoui.com slash .net, that's D-O-T-N-E-T, to find out more about Kendo UI or download the free 60-day trial with support. Also, tablet show number 19 was an interview with Todd Anglin on the Kendo UI. Richard and I talked to him at length about this great tool set. That's at thetabletshow.com and look for show number 19 in the archives. And when you talk to the Telerik guys, make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So just with regards to your, the comment about the piecemeal approach, I think uh, one of the things that um, I found that it's been very effective is, is, and most companies are trying to achieve, is becoming this kind of learning organization where they know how to get better on their own. Absolutely. And typically when I start working with a company, they don't really know how to get better on their own. They know how to do whatever they're doing. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we can teach practices, you can teach test-driven development, et cetera, but uh, until they get to the point where they're actively working on themselves and getting better by themselves without a consultant there telling them what they should be doing next, you know, they're not going to be there. And that takes a while. But, you know, so much there. of what you're saying right there doesn't sound like development, right? It sounds much more personal than that. Yes, I... Um, Often think, so I have a computer science degree, and I often think that I probably should have had a psychology degree right. because most of my work is working with people and trying to figure out you know, what problems See, they're having and what I issues mean, they're I, having. That's where you went wrong. You're working with people. What are you thinking? I want to work with computers. That's why I got into this business. What have you done to me? Well, I think the whole code generation thing needs to have a big revival, and then we can maybe do that. Ah, shall we toast the death of Agile, gentlemen? To the death of Agile. Nah, not quite dead. Not dead yet. <laughs> Not really dead. We could also toast to the life of Agile. Yeah, to the life of A Agile. Toast to the life of Agile. Cheers. Very nice. So, guys, if I may, I'm going to throw a wrench into this a little bit because we talked about it a little bit earlier, but we have a special guest here tonight. Would you like to introduce him? I'll let him introduce himself. Who? Who are we talking the about? Mysterious man in the orange. Hi there. What's your name? Where are you from? Not, not the orange sweaters. The orange I'm shirt. the chief coffee maker. Nice. I'm John Kern. John, what would people know from you? Where, where have you come from? What's your about? Sarcastic snippets at panels that I'm just waiting to introduce. So you're not just a mustache? No. Now, you were there when the Agile Manifesto was written. You're one of the 17. Correct. Are you the Thomas Jefferson of the Agile Manifesto or more like that the would be pretty, John Adams? Of that the, would be pretty awesome. I'd like to think it's a little bit like the Founding Fathers and that it never truly dies. It's more like, um, okay, in a very small way, the Agile Manifesto, I think, got to the root of human behavior, much like our documents that founded this country got to the root of human behavior. 
and I say they will stand the test of time. So it's not dead, but at the same time, agile is a state of mind. And are we at a point now where it's so incorporated that we stop paying attention to it? I don't know. I sort of checked out of the agile scene long ago because it just seemed to be an overhyped term that people used and abused. And I said, I, you can do whatever you want, but I'm just going to go out and build my own teams and do cool software and do it as well as possible. So I've only ever went to one agile conference because they paid me. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, you were at work. I understand that. But I, I do believe that the term has gotten wildly overhyped. But what hasn't got overhyped? Like, what do you still do that, that you would equate back to that original manifesto? Well, still, the, the primary tenets were all about trying to deliver value and trying to do it smartly. To me, Agile is, is really the ability to reduce the gap in time between doing something and seeing the results of it. And it's also, instead of a bunch of prescriptive stuff, you know, we, maybe you don't know, this, this is kind of scary because I talked to some people that haven't even heard of some of the heavyweight processes that were lurking about, like some of these young gentlemen here probably have no idea about things like rational unified process. And oh, yeah. So, oh, I think yeah. you touched See, the nerve. Like the old timers in the room are having heart attacks now. They're banging their head on the table. Don't say that again. Ruppity rup rup. Yeah, and, and also there's nothing wrong with waterfall. Just do it in really small bits, right? So, I mean, a real key is I think a lot of the points behind the, all of the points behind the manifesto are still valid and worthy of pursuing, but it's just a non-trivial event to try to actually know how to do that. I think uh, Matt was saying, hey, it's, it's really easy. I can tell you how to be agile in a minute or something like that, but it might take a lifetime to get there. So, I, you know, it's a hard discipline and it's very challenging, but I think if you take the spirit of agile, it still stands. So there isn't one right way. No, it's very context sensitive, and that's the problem. It's, you have to, sometimes Ron Jeffries and I would get into sort of debates about it. On one hand, Agile is easy, but on the other hand, I think Agile is hard because you constantly have to be reevaluating what you're doing. You can't just fall back on a practice and do it pragmatically, or rather do it dogmatically. Instead, you have to be very pragmatic. So it's more like insert your preferred way of doing things here. If there's room to add, there's room to uh, evolve. It's, I'd say, I mean, it's partly that, but it's also in context, right? I would hope the same types of processes are not applied to a simple web app for some stupid social site as they are to maybe a cyber knife cutting tool that's going to do surgery on my brain, Right. So Agile can be done in both contexts, but they better not be done the same way. Yeah, I was thinking more of the NASA thing, flying spaceships around, but same sort of issue. There is processes that need to be in place for software based on its risk as well as its return. Right. I, I'm an engineer by training, so I never went to computer science classes or anything like that, and it might show. But to me, software was a means to an end, a way to solve a problem, not the cool, shiny little toy in and of itself. So I was always very practical about trying to apply it for the problem at hand. It's part of the problem here that we are actually in love with software development, that, that we're a hobbyist as in, by nature and we want to play with our toys. 
Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm very guilty of that. I mean, we all love shiny new toys. I, when I was uh, you know, recently introduced to Ruby by Corey Haynes a few years ago when he was doing his tour and he stopped by and stayed at my house, I was, you know, shocked by a lot of the things I saw and immediately fell in love with that, doing, using MongoDB and, uh, I'm, and like Git. And I'm kind of like, where were you when I was doing freaking C++ back in the mid-90s with just crap tools? And, and even now I'm working on a project where we're doing .NET, sorry, .NET folks here, but it's like so painful. I mean, okay, I don't want to dishearten anybody, but yeah, it's the, uh, what I find available in, in the, today's modern tools are really very impressive and it makes it easy, easier to do the right thing, to make yourself more agile, to, to have your team be much more responsive. And I, and I think, you know, it's, it's hard to ignore the types of practices that make for good software. And I guess it's part of the challenge here is getting the tools to a place where they reflect the best practices or the things you actually want to do. Yeah, I used to sell tools. Um, I don't know. Here's another blast from the past. This is another sad chapter in how long ago this was. Who here ever heard of TogetherSoft, like UML modeling tools? Oh, yeah. Three, four, five hands. Love the hands on the radio show. Thanks, guys. Right. So I, I used to quip a couple of things. A fool with a tool is still a fool. <laughs> so it's not the tool, really. I mean, and it's not even the practices, right? It's a good way to get started is to copy and do practices just because someone tells you to. But it's much more difficult to introspect and realize the effects of those practices. And, and I think Matt Barkham was mentioning holistic. That's the hard part about doing Agile. It's a bunch of tiny little things that make up for a very holistic practice to help improve the ability to deliver software at a, at a faster pace with higher value. And as far as shiny new toys, I often would like to quip to developers, it's the business, stupid. Now, that also is a blast from the past of, James Carville's It's the Economy Stupid during a Clinton campaign. But it's, you know, it's the business stupid. It's not, you know, I'm constantly working to drive home with a team. Be impatient, be lazy, and question with boldness, speaking of Thomas Jefferson, um, question with boldness uh, the value of doing something, right? Everybody should have responsibility in understanding the business. Like, you should be thinking a level up, even though you might be doing some task below that, some feature. You need to know why. And if you're just not doing that, maybe you're junior, I, I implore you to ask the reasons why you want to do something. Figure out the context, because that's really the value that we can provide, is we're providing a solution in a context, and if you're not doing that, you're just an order taker. I have a uh, question for the panel, and John, you too, if you'd like to uh, take a crack at it. Do you guys see any trends or technologies, um, maybe nascent trends or technologies or new trends, that sort of uh, threaten to sort of set us back to the dark ages, agile-wise? Cold fusion. Uh, I, I meant new threats. Or, oh, that's an old threat. That's an old one. I, I think kind of what he just talked about is I think the threat is people trying to do agile is a big threat because ultimately what we're saying is you have to be agile. So every practice is a possible threat. Every tool is a possible threat. 
There's a set of, if you don't know why you're being agile, if you don't know why you're doing all this stuff, you're bound to do it wrong. You're bound to do it for the wrong reason. I got one person applauding. Woo! Right there. So anyway, um, I'm going to take that as validation. Well, I, I, I regurgitate what John said. It, it's business stupid, and there's just way too many consultancies out there trying to sell agile because it's the next word and the next thing that gets them the next rate. And, and it's the people that, that are drawn to Agile are the people that really care about business and care about value, earning their pay- paycheck, improving their craft. So that's the problem is the word's getting overused so we, and everybody's using it to, to try to make money. So maybe the consultants that are just trying to run for the cash without yeah. really understanding what they're doing. Yep. So if you're looking, I think we if should you're shift our goal here tonight and we all should come up with a new word that's a, like a buzzword for every, and we'll all know because we came up with it. And that'll be the new word. The new word. I got for the word. It's ano. Ano. ano? <laughs> Agile and name only. Ah, I love it. So you Agile don't want to be ano. Right. Agile in no. name only. Don't be I, I think, ano. I think the so, good. All right. I think the good non, news is none. You have a comment? Yeah. I think. I think the good news is that I think there's enough people who truly do understand the principles behind Agile who are kind of up and coming through the ranks of corporations and are going to start uh, transforming their organizations from a real place and not just from a, I heard it on Gartner, so I need to change. Um, and, and they're going to really understand what's happening. And so I think that's, that's the good news. And I think that will counteract any of the bad stuff that's happening. And I think, I think what John says is correct. And I think the the bad stuff is the people who are just trying to make a buck. It really does require, as one of you mentioned the word sea change, it does require a sea change in the entire organization, doesn't it? And it's not usually the developers who are looked at as the bringers, the harbingers of those changes, is it? Right. But those people will be soon the people who are doing it. Right. And there's a couple things going on. People who are able to change their company, right, meaning they were able to influence change and teach a better way of crafting. Um, once you get to the top of that kind of mountain where you're You've helped change that. Um, you don't all of a sudden become a laggard. You leave. You move on to the next challenge, and you, you land on the next problem, right? And you take on that challenge. And that's the people you see at these conferences, right? Are people who, who want that. They're continually learning. But, so once I've solved the problem, I want to teach other people how to solve problems. But, John, so that, that, that's the software developers are not looked on that way in most organizations. You Sorry, know, was that? Software developers are not looked at that way in most organizations. We're the odd ducks in the closet. You stick pizzas under the door and USB keys come out. Right. How could we possibly have an idea that could change the yeah. whole company? Just, just to ask people if they want to be Blockbuster or Netflix. Nice. Decide is technology strategic or not strategic. Right? If it's not strategic, you can go bankrupt. If it's strategic, you can launch an entire company um, you're based on that technology. Any comments or questions for the panel from the audience? Raise your hand. We got one right here in front. Thank you, John. Hi there. What's your name? Where are you from? I'm Dennis. I'm from Buffalo. What's your question, sir? A uh, couple questions. One would be maybe contrast um, agile with the other buzzword that uh, got me leaving my last job, which was enterprise. Mm. And then um, one of the most intriguing aspects of agile or extreme programming for me was pair programming seem to be the most challenging of all the concepts. Just curious what your experiences are on that, what you can say about it. I had a colleague whose favorite lunchtime activity was a cube of beef bouillon in the corner of his cheek and gum. I mean, not all the denting in the world was going to solve that problem, right? So, I mean, what do you do? 
pair programming. Wow. Talk to us about pair programming because I, I I agree with you, uh, Dennis. That it's easily the hardest of the extreme programming practices for people to to deal with. It, it all goes back to the why, not the what. So. Why pair program? Because you want to spend twice as much money writing the same amount of software? Right. That's not a very good argument. So you're leading, when you're talking about paired programming and saying, we shall pair program, you're leading with the cost. And then the benefit. So if you, as a manager, say, hey, I've got a team, and it's really high risk because, you know, Jimmy, he's the only person that knows this module, and John, he's the only person that knows that module. So what we're going to do is anytime someone needs to change the module that Jimmy's the only person that knows, someone's going to work with him. And the only time, same thing with Johnny and so forth. And we've got, we've got a double size of the team, so we're going to have the new people work with the existing people so that they get up to speed faster. And you know what? Any change that's high risk, we're going to make it, making sure that there's two sets of eyes on it. You are a very proactive, awesome manager, right? Now, that's all paired programming. Right? If you look at it, almost every situation when you're writing software, there's risk and complexity and so forth. But if you explain to them, here's the strategies and here's the problems I'm solving in my organization, you're going to be like, hey, this guy, why isn't everyone else making sure that they have a cross-functional team that understands you know, that if so-and-so leaves, it's a risk to the organization, they're getting rid of that risk? Instead of being, hey, I'm the guy that wants to spend twice as much writing software. So I think it's just a sales problem. You're talking about the cost, not the solution. Yeah, so, so, so pairing's about learning, right? The reason I pair is to get feedback, yeah. right? I always think I'm doing the best damn thing I'm doing. I think I'm the best cook, best at everything. But unless I pair with somebody, how do I get any affirmation, right, that I'm actually good at I, that? I just like it's spin resistance, right? That when I start to thrash, the guy beside me goes, dude. Well, what was <laughs> right. it? So, so change is hard. I'll go back to sociology, right? So, yeah. so change is hard. AA exists. Cheers. To mm. the, Cheers. <laughs> But exit because right? change is hard. You need a support group. You need a support system. Sure. I tell people if you're going to write tests first and you've ever done it, and you're going to do it without a pair, what's going to happen? As soon as it becomes hard, you're going to fall back to what's easy and not write a test. Sure. Right. right? You need somebody to say, "Well, okay, let me take the keyboard. Let me work through that, and let me test with you." Same with most. Right. That's that's human right. nature. That's sociology. So so we need pairs as humans to get feedback. And if you truly care about continual improvement, you need a way to measure your improvement. I can sit there and get a, a feature and code on it for days and days and days and days and think I'm doing the right thing. But I'm pairing with Nan, and Nan says, hey, dude, we met the spec, man. We got the car done. Yeah. Let's not overfactor this. Yeah, Let's walk away. Yeah, walk away Put the away keyboard down. That, that's the value of pairing. So pairing isn't just about coding. Pairing isn't about everything you do in your life. Pairing with your spouse, pairing with your friends, pairing with QA, dev, UX. It doesn't matter. You need feedback loops, or you just go on kind of. And, right. and so... Yeah, pairing's a natural human nature. Mm-hmm. I, I want to point out, too, like a lot of places that I've seen that, um, you know, they weren't doing that. The teams weren't doing anything agile, TDD, um, anything like that. And someone came along, whether it was a, a consultant, an insultant, a manager, a director, and someone said, we're going to be agile. Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. Going Did to you pair. say insultant? Insultant. Yes. I love that. It's nice. I like it. So I've always considered consultant the synthesis of con game and insult. Oh, so you, no. Uh, no. It's, is that a trademark? Just term? go straight to the insult. Yes, yes, it is. I can't use it. Oh. All right, I won't. I'll, I'll give you the rights, though. All right, cool. Twenty-five cents it, yeah. or yeah, I'll pay in bourbon. Nice. All right. Sorry, Matt. I totally derailed you. No, no. That uh, was an funny. awesome word. I'm stealing that. I'm just letting so, you know. So, I mean, it's it's another practice like anything else. I don't care if it's pairing or, or like a, who here does like a daily stand up. Who here thinks it's freaking awesome? Oh, a lot of people who loves their stand up, loves their stand up. Yeah. Who hates it? 
Who oh, hates it? A lot more it. people. All right. Two people sitting together sharing a keyboard is not a pair. Okay. What's and a pair? Well, there's well, that's a whole freaking session probably. There's a lot of patterns to pairing. There's a lot of ways of doing it. Uh, kind of to what Vliet was saying, you have to pair intentionally. Sometimes it's about learning. Sometimes it's about quality. There's lots of reasons you could pair. There's lots of patterns for pairing. But Are don't you, do it just to pair. Don't just sit together because someone yeah. told you to. But Are we back to the dogma together. issue here, right? Like you're just following a ritual you don't understand? I see that a lot. I see a lot of order takers. And, and that's it. And remind people that typing is not the constraint to getting production software. <laughs> <laughs> if you bring in a typing tutor and yeah. you can type like a hundred lines of code a minute, that does not mean you're going to production f code faster. Sure. So when you think pairing is slowing down, you know, it kind of starts with that idea that, well, if you could just type the code faster, two people could type it faster than one. <laughs> yeah, that's not the constraint. And if, you know, you need to teach people what the real constraints are, like understanding and, and you know, and problem solving. And, Understanding and problem solving are harder to do alone than they are as a group. Right. What, I love in that. In addition to what these guys have all said, the the one of the common problems that people have when they're just working by themselves is just this implicit these implicit blockages that start happening. Like you are working on something and you say, "Well, I'm not quite sure what to do here, so I'll just wait. Maybe I'll come back to it after lunch, or I will just send somebody an email, or maybe I'll get up and walk over and see if somebody else knows, or maybe not." And and you have these little blockages that you're just thinking to yourself. If you're working with somebody, chances are very high that you're not both just going to sit there staring at the screen. Somebody's going to say something, and you're going to talk to each other and try and figure it out, which is why it's a skill, though. It's not something that you could, two people who have never done it can just sit down together and start doing. It's possible, but it's not likely. So it's a skill like anything else you have to learn. And with regards to the bullion cube problem, you know, some problems just can't be overcome. And you yeah, you got to find a different pair of partner. There, there is a line, it turns out. How, how many times have you seen this? You know, you get a, two people working and one of them, you know, suggests the right way to do something. The other one doesn't understand it. So they say, oh, let's not make it harder than it has to be. In other words, for me, <laughs> you know, let's just do it the old way. Yeah. yeah well, and they that, tend that, to have a bigger mouth. And yeah. then that's one of the patterns of pairing is that if somebody has an idea, you let them try it. Yeah. You let them try it for some period of time, and then you say, okay, well, yeah. let's see your idea, let's see how it works, and then we'll try something else if it doesn't yeah. work. One of the awesome parts of the, so, uh, the pre-compilers here was the improv sessions. Anybody go to the improv sessions here? Yeah, awesome. And one of the big rules of improv is yes, and. Right? Uh, Every idea is a good idea. We're spending some time on and moving beyond it. I'll, I'll tell you what. As a music producer, it's the same way. Yeah. And I see the parallels are un insane, especially because musicians don't have egos or anything. <laughs> you know, um, but usually it's the loudest guy in the room who tends to get his way, even when his way is completely screwed up. Um, so that's why you have to have a producer who's a strong voice who can say, you know what? I've been down this road before. We definitely have to do you shut up. You go away. And now we're going to do it this way. Um, so, so Nan just gave away one step in the three step process. Nan, what did trying you do? Sorry. We won't tell you which step it was. Though. It's, it's the trying stuff step. All right, I got a question from the audience here. What's your name? Where are you from? Hi, I'm Amos. I'm from the Cleveland area. And I've been involved with Agile on and off for quite a few years. And yes, and I think there's a lot of great stuff there. But there is a sense of atomicity to Agile, all or nothing. And Agile is not the first uh, technology to have that. It's missionary selling. I was involved in the AI world 30 years ago where we we're going to change the world. 
and now you don't hear about AI, but all the things we were going to do are now accepted technologies and they're not, you know, before there was the first real-time screen editor, people had printing uh, terminals. And then the, out of the AI labs came a real-time editor, and now you got a screen, you see everything happening. Uh, we, came, we did a lot with object orientation, with frameworks, uh, knowledge engineering. We we're going to change the world. It was called AI, and now it's just base technology. And in that same sense, I think that's where Agile is. There's a lot of great things there, and it will, m many pieces will be adapted over time, and I think I'm seeing a lot of pieces of Agile being adapted. Now, a lot of people who are consulting in Agile say, no, you got to do it all or nothing. You don't, if you don't do it all, you're not really doing Agile. And that's up to you, you know, to fight amongst yourselves if you want to. But the point is, what's real, the, the thing that's going to kill Agile is that most of the uh, practices will just be adapted as part of, this is the normal way we do things. The kids coming out of college, where you're going to do some scrums. And over time, it will just become a base technology. And, and if it does succeed, it will lose its identity. That's my prognostication. But thank you for your efforts, because I really do buy almost all of the Agile practices. Thank you. So as the question is, is Agile dead because it's now called development? Is it dead because it's normal now? Yeah. So I think there's, the problem is, is Agile's not one thing. So is learning normal? Is everybody striving to do things better normal? So iterative and incremental development is more and more common. But Agile, so there's two pieces, right? So I'm a big proponent of the XP camp of Agile, which means we don't want to just change more often and make it easier to change our mind. If it's not less expensive to make a change, then we're in a lot of trouble. So if we don't change the right way we write software to make it less expensive, if we don't change the way we write software to make it easier to change, and we're just changing more often at the same cost. Change for change sake? Yeah, so, so, so the incremental way of writing software is better than the excremental way we used to do it. <laughs> excremental, I love it. Yeah. That's wonderful. You and your, you and your words. Do you, do you have a copyright <laughs> on these words? <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Matt's definitely adding to the glossary, right? So the, I think that, you know, whatever happens to the term Agile, People need to learn how to incrementally build software and learn as an organization, whether they're writing software or whatever they're doing. They need to understand why they're building software, so why does it create value, but they also have to make software soft. Right? It's a lot easier to upgrade the hardware in your environment than the software. I agree. So software is not really soft, so a lot of what all the sessions at CodeMash are are about how to make software soft. How do I do TDD? How do I write software that's easier to change and better with less code? So everything everyone's trying to learn here, you know, what are better languages, what are better ways of doing things, they're all about Agile. Whether you call it that or not, they're all about making it less expensive to build you know, value into your software, to change things, and so forth. And what you call it's kind of you know, unimportant. And I also just want to reiterate that I think the practices that you see are possibly starting to become normal in groups like this, but they're not normal in the industry. They're, they're not. They're just... We are living in a bubble being here. Yes, this is a little bubble. Being right. honest. Yeah. So, Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. 
Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago, I used Farpoint Spread. But now, of course, it's Component1Spread.net. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.net and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.net from Component1. Smarter components for smarter developers. I have another question from the audience. What's your name? Where are you from? Yep, um, I'm David. I'm from Dayton. And I guess um, I've been through a CMMI certification. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I've also been uh, in some organizations that were doing Agile or striving to do Agile. And it strikes me that, that a lot of what this has in common is... Um, as was said earlier, developers are typically not seen as agents of change in an organization. You know, we're the weirdos that you shove Pete's under the door, you blah, blah. But so, and a lot of it is about culture. Because even it, it, it seems to me that where, even where waterfall processes have failed and CMMI, I mean, there, was, there were some good things in CMMI, I thought. The things that were bad about it were cultural problems. The fact that people were trying to game the system, the, the fact that, that uh, things were, people were focusing on things that were non-value added. And I think some of the problems that we're talking about here are, are the same thing. You know, we're, we're deciding that next Thursday we're going to be agile and, and, and so on and so forth. So the, the problems, it seems to me, again, I, I realize this is a very long-winded way of saying this, but the, pro the primary problems, it seems to me, with all of these things are cultural. So my question is, and this is not just to you, but for all of us, is how do we go about changing the culture? Do I mean, we, how, do, how do we become learning organizations? How do we, you know? So I think that's a great question. Um, how, so how do you change culture? And who knows how to do that? Anthropologists, right? Um, one, what? One, well, I, I don't know. They have Matt, you're out of control. I love you. Like, it's, anthropologists? It's a, really? Is that, he said sociology. I can totally say anthropology. Okay, you're going to go with the anthropology. The insultants. The people that study anthropology. Anthropology. Okay. No? So, they study anthros. I read all of them. Do Six we need champions of Agile? So, are we lacking Champ the, the mushrooms? Champions? Not the, nice. not the mushrooms. I'm talking about the developer sort of IT hybrids with personality that are influencer types that can go, that can Champions make change. Champions of change? I, well, so I kind of, this is an, it's an interesting idea that, uh, you know, changing culture in an organization is one thing, but you can also study changing culture in general, right? So how do cultures change? There's this idea of memes. Uh, one article I read a long time ago talked about if you look at a, a culture, one way that culture tends to propagate from generation to generation is from its stories, right? From its media, effectively, whatever media it had at the time. So one interesting way to think about it is we need to change our stories. So what are the actions we can take to change our stories to change our culture? And the stories have generally been about war. War, right? That's a yeah, big part of it. Fighting war. the man or right. something. I, I, I appreciate the idea of casting an epic, which means it should be an adventure. Like we can make a campaign. We're not talking about changing the whole organization. I'm talking about one group of people who go off on an adventure, create a story that can be carried back to an organization to change it. Am I crazy? Like is that an, an, an approach here? You're crazy, but that's besides the point. Separate issue. I'm with you. <laughs> John? So, so, so uh, you brought up CMMI, which has been an interesting subject for me. Um, we put together a book, a discussion guide, and it's called Discussion Guide. It's about a discussion. It's not judging people, or it's not evaluating people and auditing people and saying, are you agile, are you not, are you doing stand-ups correctly, are you doing this? 
right? And so um, I've been through, I, I led, you know, a transformation for an organization of thousands of people and, you know, almost 100 teams of Agile. And it was interesting because everybody wanted to judge everybody about where you're at. You're CMMI 1, CMMI 2, CMMI 3. Let me score you, right? Versus a culture. A culture doesn't score people. A culture says, all right, hey, how are we as a team? How can we get better as a team? What practice can we put in place to be a better team? And even if we fail, we learn from the failures and we do it. We don't, you know, discount people. So, um, so that was an interesting point that you hit on about, you know, CMMI and judging. Like, that's, that's not what it's about. It's about the whole team delivering versus an individual delivering, a developer, a UX, a, a dev. It's that, that we have to change that culture. We are. I believe Agile is changing that culture of whole team accountability and getting less away from the judging and saying, surround yourself by the best people you can, deliver the best way you can, inspect, adapt, retrospect, and you will continue to do better. And that's, to me, that's really what Agile is about. If you can do those three things, I don't know what your three things are, but those are the three things that I see. The three things are arbitrary. We'll learn those okay. later. So, um, those so, cost money. Yeah. If you, do, if you do CMMI and you get to level whatever, really, what you really need to ask is, did I mature my capabilities? Right? It's a capability maturity matrix. A lot of people can say, hey, I'm CMMI level whatever. And you say, oh, did you mature your capabilities? They're like, I don't know. We've got all these processes now. So if you're doing Agile and you don't know why you're doing it, and it's not actually making it easier for you to change or easier for you to solve business value, then kill it. Kill anything that's not actually solving the problem you're trying to solve. And that's why, like, you know, we're, we're talking less and less as a group about Agile when we talk to our clients. It could be, it's whatever tool or technique helps solve the problem. And um, whether, you know, if CMMI matures your capabilities, great. If if RUP actually makes you as a group, you know, get iterative and incremental, great. You know, do something, though, to, to make life better. Oh, Matt Van, you're talking crazy talk when you talk about RUP. You got a question out there, Richard? I do indeed. And a lean dog fellow as well. What's your name? Where are you from? Uh, Greg Vavinsky, uh, Cleveland. Ah, what's your question, sir? Well, uh, back in 1963, I wrote my first uh, machine language program. And back then, they handed me a book and said, it's all about the new philosophy called Waterfall. And now it's 50 years later. And for the last 10 years, I've been learning about Agile and working on Agile. And you know what? You guys are the smart guys. What the hell's next? What comes after Agile? I More love Agile? that question. Agile is not dead. It's just become... Isn't come that the, the definition of Agile, to become? To come to the Agile become. and Beyond Conference in Dearborn, Michigan in March. The Beyond Agile Conference, Agile is that what it is? A little plug there. Not, not a little plug. That was a pretty big plug, actually, but okay. So, so with, um, I'm not sure it's going to be anywhere easy to be seen anytime soon. Uh, I don't think Agile's really dead. Uh, how, many, how many people here would say they believe in Agile in some way? Clap. Absolutely. Half the room, easy. That's pretty awesome. Non-believers. What's really cool about Agile is really what it is. It's four values and 12 principles. I don't know about you guys, but I call a system of values and principles an ideology. There's only one way to kill an ideology. That's to kill every person that believes it. Wow. It's You've gone tried. awfully dark on us, Matt. I was trying from, to cheer it up. He brought up war. From insultant to, to genocide. I love that. So I have a, um, a shirt here. I almost wore this one, which says agility is not enough. So this shirt 
is like three years old. Nice. So ultimately, you know, I, I don't know that. So what's next is, all right, if, if, I, if I have a learning organization that can reliably write software and solve problems, what's next, right? Well, why is that a set? So to me, we have these two organizations, right? We have IT and the business. How many people are on the business side? No one. Oh, two people. How many people are on the, on the IT side? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, you're on the wrong side. Everybody who just <laughs> clapped is wrong. That is a horrible answer that says, okay, some, I'm working for some company. They're paying me money, but I'm not important enough to actually solve a business problem. I'm not important enough. I just, like, you know, I write some code, I do this stuff, but, you know, we sell insurance. Well, ultimately, if our teams can produce software every day, every week, every month, every quarter, why are we different than the marketing organization, the fulfillment organization, and so forth? So I think what's next is that we stop separating IT and the business, and there's this one thing called the business who's going to solve problems with and without technology. And, and Agile is a way well worth a round of applause into that camp. Yeah. I so, could, so, so uh, I could, I'll, I'll take a completely different twist, right? You know, I keep going to sociology tonight for some reason, but but the point is, the kids are coming out. What like look at the generations that are coming out. What do these kids want, right? They're individuals. They live their life on Facebook. Everything's transparent, right? What they want is a culture and a team. And so the the challenge is, how do you create a company where? People move in and out, regardless of how they're paid, whether you're in a you know, you know, FTE or full-time employee or you're a 1099. And so I think that's, that's a problem with the, the future. The future is that people are not committed to companies as much as individualism. And so with Agile, we create these standing teams and we storm and norm and perform, right? We adapt, we adjust, we get to do it. So the challenge for people doing anything in corporate America and software development in particular is it's a business stupid, right? How do they float in and out, and you have your teams adapt, storm, norm, perform, conform, move in and out, learn your craft, do what you need to do, yeah. right, in and out. Because I, I think that's, a, if you look at the youth coming out and the way this, this world's going, that's the challenge. Agile teams support that better than a waterfall team would, but that's the future. Maybe it's not called Agile, but there's going to be a lot more individualism in this world. So can I, can I give my answer? Craft. My answer is the talk show host here. I see the Agile movement as successfully changing software. It is a success. It ha- we have succeeded in the businesses we have changed. But the, what's next is to bring that to the next business, to get more companies on board. And I, I sort of think that requires influencers to rise up out of the ashes and sort of take that message and be able to convince the business people to, to make the sea change. I think that's what's next. Just more. More of it. The only thing I would say is don't convince the business people. Be the business people. Right. 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 Yeah. And I, you know, with Take regards, your success and, and spread the word. Yep. And with regards to, you know, who can, who, you know, companies where developers are not able to be influencers and so on. Um, I've worked at uh, small startups where the developers were just treated as little cogs in the machine. And I've also, right now I'm doing a project for the U.S. Treasury where the developers are actively making business decisions and influencing the directions of the products that are making huge, huge changes in the way the products are being built. So, um, you know, that's the federal government. They're, you know, hard to change, you would think, but they're not. They're not so hard. And, uh, you know, you'd think the startups would be easy, but they're not necessarily. So, um, you know, everybody has an opportunity to change things and, you know, our, 
you know, what we're trying to do in Agile is, is to become learning organizations like we talked about. And if we could do that, then that could just continue on forever. It doesn't have to be a next thing. It could just keep going. You could just keep learning and keep getting better. One more question from the audience. Sir, your name and where are you from? My name's Sean, and I'm from Columbus, Ohio. And your question? So, um, so I agree that you know, this is all an, an, an ideology. Um, but the thing is, is that we still slip all the time and say we're doing agile. And at the end of the day, we show up at customer sites and we sell checklists and, 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 and ceremonies and practices, right? And, um, and we, com- we compete with that. So we show up and say, well, we got to find out how it works with, for you. And they've got, wait a second, I've got this sales brochure that's got these checklists and I'm agile level zero on the next thing. And, and you know, um, so... You know, how do we deal with that and say, wait a second, you guys are, are it's not going to be good for you. That is the ceremony. You're buying the ceremony. You're not buying the ideology. You're not going to provide value. You're not going to be able to move as fast or faster than, than the speed that your business needs you to move that they can make decisions and, and adjust their business for. So, so ultimately, don't sell something you don't believe in. Right? So, if I'm going into an organization and I don't know what problem I'm really solving, so someone's, if a CIO comes to me and says, I want to do an agile transformation, the first question should be, why, do I, why? why would you want to do that? You know, and they'll be like, well, I heard that Jim down the street got 30% more throughput. Okay, so you want to do throughput and you want to get more value out the door. Because agile solves a whole lot of problems and if you don't know why you're doing it, but so you can take that from the CIO down in the organization that says, why are we doing this stuff? And ultimately, if someone says, hey, I would like an agile developer that does X, Y, and Z, you need to say, well, why would you want that? And they say, well, I have this project that's behind schedule, and you know, it's not delivering what I expected. And you say, how about I fix that problem for you? And they say, well, I don't know if I, you, know, you can fix that problem. I need a person. So if you... If you sell, I'm going to give you an Agile guy that, that's certified X, Y, and Z and can follow some checklist, then that's your fault. If you go and, and challenge the customer to believe that whatever they think is impossible is possible, you say, well, why are you doing that? Well, I need to, I need to hit this date. Well, what do you really need? Well, I need the business to be happy with me, and we need to produce you know, four software releases next year, and we're only going to get two, but I want to get those two done at least. You need to go push for the four. I just kind of believe that a, the typical business owner would know anything about software releases, like that two or four were better. In the end, it's like, are you providing value? Like that, that kind of metric, and I'm all over, you know, that we need metrics in that place, but it's like the regular mortals don't understand what we do. How do we provide value to them in a way that they understand? So don't try to teach your business how to write software. Right. Teach your software people what business is about. What so matters. value, so... You know, ultimately, like we started with an idea of, of speed to value. So this is before the Agile Manifesto that said, how do I get value out the door quickly? And then we went and begged, borrowed, and stole a bunch of practices that would help us do that. So ultimately, you need to know why you're doing it. I, I go so back aren't to we why, violating why, why. that principle the moment we talk about our release frequency? Because that's not what the business understands. The business understands value. Right. So we have a customer who brought us in to do a million-dollar project. And we, and, and we said, by the way, we're going to do it, but we'll do it in an agile way. And we released six times. And at the end of that project, we went back and said, we already paid for the project because we released after, after six weeks. And here's all the money 
Here's all the value you generated. Over, over the life of the project that you would not have made if you had just released at the end. Mm -hmm. And those numbers and those graphs meant all the yeah. world to them. They right. didn't ask a single question about whether we did pairing or not. Right. It, it doesn't matter. And I would also argue release frequency doesn't matter. How soon do you provide value? And what's that value? How do you measure that value? Well, right. getting back to the numbers talking. that matter to the business. There's the conversations we have. The business stupid or it's value. I mean, you're speaking to the choir here, I think. Yeah. John says we should bring back COBOL. I'm John, I'm going to give you the last word. Which you, problem does that solve? Because you deserve it, man. Yeah. I, well, yeah, and I, think, I, I, would, I, think I would there's conversations. You started this, so maybe you should end it. Well, I was just hearing everyone say, you know, the business should write software or the software should be the business. And wasn't that what COBOL was all about? Yeah. Something about business people writing it? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work out that way, but. Oh. Well, yeah, I think um, it really boils down to just recognizing that software is just a means to deliver business value. And if you're not able to participate in that part and think about saving your money till you get six months of living expenses so that you can go quit and go get a better job somewhere where you can have more fun and be more responsible and let the dying breeds die with their own pieces of crap software. Nice. You heard it here, folks. And with that, we're going to call a show. A big hand for our panelists, Matt, Matt, Non, John, and John. We'll see you next time on Dotnet Rocks. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on Dotnet Rocks and other experts in the field. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.